0: Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. When out of the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from the bed to see what was the matter. And away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters, and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below, when what to my wondering eye should appear but a miniature sleigh and a deer. With an old driver, so lovely and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles his coursers they came, he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now, Dasher! Now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, Cupid, Uncupid, Under and Blitzen, To the top of the porch, to the t- top of the wall, Now dash away, dash away all. As dry leaves before, the wild hurricane fly, When they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky, So up to the housetop the courses they flew, When the sleigh full of toys, and St. Nicholas too, And in the twinkling I heard on the roof, Prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed in all fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys was slung on his back, and he looked like a peddler, just opening his pack. His eyes how they twinkled, his dimples how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His dull little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard of his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed, like a bowl full of duffy. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work, and filled all the stock and then turned with a jerk and laying his finger aside of his nose, and giving a nod, up the chimney he rose. He sprung to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they flew, like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim, ere as he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night.
1: Clement Clark Moore's famous 56-line poem, which he named A Visit from St. Nicholas, and which we now know as... "'Twas a Night Before Christmas," was published for the first time on December 23rd, 1823 by a New York newspaper. Since then, the poem has been reprinted, translated into innumerable languages, and circulated throughout the modern world. With one poem, Moore single-handedly created the American version of Santa Claus. He borrowed inspiration from legendary Christmas figures saint nicholas and the combined version of the dutch Santa Claus and odin and you're going to learn all about this and more on episode 19 of what in the history i'm dan brady i'm
0: johnny smith
1: well johnny are you ready to learn more about santa claus let's dive into the history of jolly old saint nick <laughs> Right, folks welcome to part one uh we are going to be discussing the legend of saint nicholas uh i'm dan brady i'm johnny smith and he is dancing away i think he's right he's like the uh the gopher from uh oh what's that golfing movie with chevy chase and john belushi Caddyshack. Caddyshack. i'll yeah. have you know i'm doing my uh, trump, all right
0: i'm doing my trump double jerk off dance
1: Oh, man. So, Johnny, are you ready to learn about uh, St. Nicholas today?
0: I am absolutely ready. As you can tell, I am sitting right
1: beside the fireplace, and uh, I am excited to go. Uh, I do want to say this, first and foremost. Uh, I read two books on this and like six or seven different articles. And at least two-thirds of the story was different every time I read it.
0: Well, in preparation for this episode, <laughs> I have been celebrating Christmas for 33 years.
1: Okay. But what I'm just saying is we're going to take this as a legend. All right? this okay. This isn't a 100% factual story. We're going to talk about different ways uh, each event is told, but we do know St. Nicholas was a real person because in later years or more recent to us, they actually dated his bones. So they're okay. able to place some at this time. So he was a real person. So all these legends and myths are based off an actual human being.
0: Well, this is right up my alley. Uh, in case you guys don't know, Santa Claus is actually canon, an Omega level mutant in the Marvel comics. Uh, one appearance, only one real appearance, but I am going to proceed with this episode um, with that in mind as a legend, you know. So I'm not going to have the same old, "Oh, I can't believe a guy actually did this." I'm just going to roll with it. We're going to have fun in this episode.
1: Merry yeah. Christmas, folks. Nerd. <laughs>
0: or happy holidays whatever you celebrate or season's <laughs> greetings if you don't celebrate anything.
1: Oh man. <laughs> yeah, we're inclusive.
0: We're inclusive. This is a holiday episode, guys. We're keeping it clean for you. You see Dan's dark mind just went down a path of of war stories and we're not doing that. We're giving out presents this year.
1: No, cuz today you- Today's episode is a good episode. You know, for the last two months, we've been talking about death in some form or the other. Yes, there's death in this story. There's heartbreak in this story. But the overall feel is good. You know, well, good things happen.
0: Well, it's about time we had a good episode. Am I right, folks? Ah.
1: <laughs> well, it's like, um, oh, what's the comparison I make? Doctor Who, in the 12 seasons of The Modern Run, only one episode features uh nobody dies nobody and uh one episode yeah go ahead and follow through with the one episode and it's it's just like that's how history is there's maybe one story one or two stories out of a hundred that's like yeah Yeah, Timmy was born in 1862, but none of his kids died. His mom didn't die during town, and his parents were somewhat rich, and they were nice to minorities, and they just treated everybody with love. We very seldom will read that kind of story. (coughs) You know what I'm saying? Question
0: now. Question now concerning Doctor Who. Yes. Who is the nerd now?
1: <laughs> oh man, if you want me to show my my nerd colors, we can dedicate this entire episode to just Doctor Who Christmas specials.
0: Guys, if you wanted to tune into an episode where Dan talks and I fall asleep, check out our Doctor Who Christmas <laughs>
1: special episode <clears throat> on Patreon.
0: Yeah. One day, one day we'll feel enough self-worth <laughs> to create a Patreon, but that oh, ain't, yeah. ain't
1: today. <sighs> So we are gonna start our story off in the late third century. We are going to talk about two people, Theophans and Nana. Uh were an extremely they were a very devout Christian uh couple. It's it's argued whether or not they had money, but a lot of the stories I read had said that they were kind of business moguls. They owned a fishing fleet. They had a farm. So they were making money. They were doing pretty good. <coughs> if they weren't making money, they sucked out what they did and they should have stopped.
0: Mm, strong words. Uh,
1: so they were kind of an
0: older hey, couple. Hey, 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 hey. Before you go on, I know this is a positive episode and this is our Christmas episode, but that's essentially uh, what people say to comics like us. Oh yeah, yeah. You're not making enough money. You should have stopped.
1: <laughs> Man, I'm dying over here.
0: Uh, yeah, Dan. I don't. I don't know if he's uh, got COVID, but it's either that or like dog AIDS or some sh- stuff. He's going we'll go through it dog, rough.
1: We'll go with dog AIDS.
0: Um, you see, you see where I caught myself there, folks. I almost swore behind the curtain. <laughs>
1: I'm proud of you, Johnny. I'm proud of us. We've made it 5 minutes now. Even if we fall apart the rest of the episode, that is 5 minutes where we had pure intentions. And we should be uh, proud of that.
0: Oh, all right. <laughs> Let's dive into this guy.
1: Okay. Uh so his parents they wanted a kid. Um they were they were an older age but I couldn't find the age So maybe like 17, 18 years old when they had Nicholas. So this is
0: mere speculation, right?
1: Right. No, that's, and that's really just a joke on like, you know, 13 year olds having kids as was commonplace at this time. So I was just joking around, but from what I've read, uh, the couple, I couldn't find any years or ages, but they, they worked really hard to have a kid and they just couldn't do it.
0: Okay, so, so they were unsuccessful. Some will look at it as the Lord did not decide to bless them until their proper time.
1: And that's what they felt. They went to mm. church, they went to church every day. Uh, they prayed to God constantly. They're a they were an example of what a god-fearing family should be. I love <laughs> it. Every part of their life was dedicated to God in some way or the other. And from all accounts, they were decent people too. But they uh,
0: so they weren't just they weren't just going on Sundays. They were actually living it seven days a week.
1: I like it. So they I lived like to in hear about a, a
0: positive couple.
1: They lived in a a picturesque port town of Patara, it is situated on the Mediterranean coast, at Anatolia, Lycia, and uh. It's now known as the Southern coast of Turkey. So again, okay. today we're back in the Middle East.
0: seems like a lot of history happened over. There. yeah, oh, you know what bothers man. me Here we go. I got bothered already because what bothers me about the Middle East? Oh, no, and I don't and I don't know uh about it all over there. so excuse my ignorance, but from i I just like they're the center of all this history. So much happens over there. And yet it's uh, there's a bunch of deserts, just a bunch of deserts now.
1: Yep. Well, it was at the time too, but there's also a good portion of the country uh that has green. It's it's all around the uh the rivers and stuff.
0: I was gonna say it's with the Saudi royals.
1: Whoa, 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 whoa. we're hitting them with the good ones. But no, like a lot of these countries uh the geography is based off of where the water is like this town was thriving because they put it on the Mediterranean coast you know I mean, where water even, is even now the
0: irrigation you know look at look at las vegas it's it's a you know a desert <laughs> but bring water in mm. you gotta
1: yeah. get on your
0: You got to get, you got to get yourselves together, Middle East.
1: So uh, one thing I read said that they, they waited 30 years for a kid. Uh, No idea. Um, But from what, everything I read, the local church was their second home. They spent more time there. Some would say than they did at their house.
0: You know, because there's a lot of sinning that could happen at your house. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So, there's never been a case of sinning heard in the church. So,
1: so both the parents were old. It it said that they were late, uh, mid to late 40s or early 50s when Nicholas was born. Uh, And again, the year isn't quite uh, perfect on this either 270 AD. Uh, possibly to 80 AD. Uh, Saint uh, Saint Nicholas was born. Uh, he was named Nicholas after his uncle, who was a well-respected abbot of a uh, monastery in Xanos. And uh, I was hoping. Future, I was hoping you would say. Okay, go ahead. Just finish it.
0: I was hoping you would say his uncle was a reindeer farmer. <laughs>
1: Yes, in Turkey. He was a reindeer farmer, Johnny. Hey, man. Hey, man. You never know. Uh, and he was also the future Archbishop of El- 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 Myra. Mm. Uh, his uncle blessed and baptized him just a few days after his birth. And a uh, little fun fact for you, Johnny Nicholas was a name of Greek origin and meant victor of the people
0: victor of people that's a that's a nice name i guess yeah uh you know what your name means
1: n- no i do know i was uh named after king daniel
0: i believe mine's uh is means god's grace huh yeah Hmm. Don't get don't get blessed around me, son. Bring the I, fire uh, to the Lord.
1: That's what I'm trying to do, Johnny. Uh but like I was saying, the family's been described as like poor, they've been described as rich, but more often than not, they're middle class people. Uh <coughs> they lived in a relatively space, spacious spacious house. Um, either way, it's clear that Nicholas was a privileged child who had what he needed. Even so, he would be taught to prioritize God above all others and to put himself last. Um, His parents would never allow him to take anything for granted because they believed that their manifold possessions were handed to them from above. They became more convinced of this fact when Nicholas came into the picture and his birth only heightened their determination to raise a passionately prayerful young man uh, who would do nothing but good unto others.
0: They seem like good people.
1: Yes. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, we're just going to talk about this like model of what Christianity should be, at least in my opinion.
0: Okay, I'm curious to see.
1: Yeah, um, and I know we both sit with very different viewpoints. Um, and I think that's gonna kinda play into the fun of this episode because we're probably gonna be discussing it more than once. Okay. Um a- when Nicholas was around seven or eight, uh a tutor, a grammar teacher was employed to uh, guide him through his formal education. His intelligence was immediately noted by his instructor. Uh, uh, Nicholas appeared to close himself off to secular subjects, though he was more than competent in reading, writing, arithmetic and typical studies. So like all indications, if Nicholas didn't live a life for God, we would probably know him as a pretty well-renowned scholar. Okay. <coughs> he, I mean, he, because at this time, I'm not saying everybody was dumb, but it just seems like the, the people who grasp intelligence easily are the ones who are kind of remembered, you know?
0: I guess we, we got to uh, mention, though, the opportunity back then, too.
1: Yeah, it was you know, very. If you didn't tough. have
0: access to books. You couldn't read books.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: And you know, even the literacy—like, if you weren't taught to read, if you didn't know how to read, it was uh, much more difficult to gain knowledge. Right. We don't uh, know about the uh, the working man who was never taught to read, but was mechanically inclined, and you know tilled his farm till he died and did an amazing job at it. We don't know about him.
1: Exactly. We know about the ones who had the ability to uh, further their education. Uh, But all Nicholas was interested. Go ahead. Sounds like
0: like the Middle East is full of a lot of white privilege.
1: (laughs) God. Oh, man. All his interests was invested in philosophy. Oh, man, I really meant philosophy, Philosophy. theology, and scripture. Uh, During his adolescence, he avoided most others his age, specifically uh, those who indulged in alcohol and reckless carousing, uh, just basically uh, not following the Bible to a tee. I'm a notorious, reckless carouser. Oh, you are. He's steer-cleared <laughs> of all women outside of his family and his church. He, he sounds like Mike Pence. <clears throat> he, uh, he deliberately avoided eye contact with any female on the street, and he uh, interacted with girls only when absolutely necessary.
0: Are you telling me Mike, Mike Pence is Santa Claus?
1: I'm telling you that I think Mike Pence is gay
0: oh boy hard accusations here folks
1: I don't know man it's just yeah he was dedicated to God but it also just sounded like he didn't have any uh, biological reaction to women um okay Okay, we can rock with this, I guess. But but he uh he also could be very devout to God, which I accept too. I'm just throwing out speculations because that's what we do here. You get to do it every week. I wanted to do it this week.
0: All right, hard, hard stance from Dan really defending that uh strong opinion. Have at it, buddy. (laughs) You get no (laughs) you get no pushback from me. I'm just saying I never push back on Dan and he's
1: like, hey, hey, hey. I just want to do it. I'm like, hey, no one said don't. <laughs> no, I get no pushback from you now, but on these talking shop episodes, I have to slug it out. Oh yeah. You're
0: you're you're entering uh you're entering my battle realm there.
1: Oh yeah. So you might not do it here every week, but you do it there. Oh, oh. you think shop talk is your <laughs> Is your ally?
0: I was born in the chaos, raised in stadiums. I didn't know peace of mind until I was already
1: a grown man, and at <laughs> that point, it was
0: maddening.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <laughs> it sounded like Bane got a little old there in the end. Like, what am I doing? Dominate him, the Batman. <laughs> Merry oh. Christmas, folks! Oh man, I love your Bane impression so much.
0: I hate it; it's old. Bane, oh Bane, gonna... needs to come out with new material.
1: You think so?
0: Yeah, man. Ever since he lost Batman, I just haven't seen much of him.
1: <laughs> um.
0: By the way, so- by the way. Uh, quick, quick moment for a segue. Uh, I've had a vision for a while about a Bane mask, like the type of uh, apparatus that he wears. But I need an engineer. Uh, if there's any engineers listening, reach out to me to create one because I want it to vape uh, like THC into that mask. Like, so I could just keep a mask on and put a cartridge in and have like a steady. I don't know if it would like shoot out every 30 seconds or whatever. But if you're an engineer, that's my Christmas wish. Uh, reach out to me. I want to work out some design plans.
1: Um, yeah, I'm interested to see if something comes of that. Uh, so Nicholas's parents, just like every other parent of crotch goblins, believe their children are special. Uh, they thought he was a special child, but never in a million years could they have imagined the true deaths of his powers. Again, now we're going to be talking about the legends. The Throughout this story, we're just going to talk about the miracles he performed or you know, whether or not it, he it. actually did.
0: I'm here. Um, I'm all here for the powers.
1: Like, legend has it that Nana, who was uh, gravely ill and teetering on the brink of death in the months leading up to the birth of Nicholas was instantly cured upon his long-awaited arrival.
0: Oh, she was heartbroken. Poor woman, that's so sweet.
1: Uh, Before the flush of a healthy glow could return to her cheeks, um, Nicholas, who had been placed in the small basin on the foot of the bed, astounded both women in the room when he supposedly hoisted himself up on his feet like a newborn calf. No more than a minute after his birth, he stood for only a few seconds before wobbling and collapsing into the water in a fit of giggles. Oh, wow.
0: That's pretty dope.
1: Yeah, that's again, don't know whether or not that really happened.
0: Man, you know what you sound like right now, Dan? What you sound like a hater?
1: Uh, weeks later, uh, Nicholas supposedly did it again. So, uh, during his baptism, he stood up inside the baptismal, uh, font or the the basin and stood there for three hours refusing to come out oh, uh, wow. which was apparently the infant's homage to the holy trinity
0: now it, can you break that down how that relates to the holy trinity uh,
1: i don't know man uh i didn't really look into it because i kind of figured you would know but it's just um
0: I just don't see, understand him standing in the water basin. That's, how that represents
1: the Holy Trinity. That's the legend, man. I didn't make it up. I didn't call it that. That's what I've read. There is four right, sources right. that said that the this was the baby's. You know, at you know six weeks old, he's like, I'm going. This one's for God. I'm going to stand up without my mommy. And I'm going to stand here for three hours, even though my knees caps aren't developed yet. All right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I know. It's a miracle. Uh, When he was eight or nine, he left the home of his tutor one afternoon and stumbled upon a sickly old woman seated on the curb. Sniffling over what appeared to be her shrunken hand. The child paused and furrowed his brows. If, if listening intently to a voice in his head before approaching the bashful woman without so much as a greeting, he cupped her, cupped her withered hand, squeezed his eyes shut, and prayed vigorously, uh, eventually ending his impromptu prayer session with the signs of the cross. The woman opened her mouth to thank the boy But all that came out was a Yelp of surprise. She watched in disbelief as a bright glow enveloped her appendage. By the time it subsided, her hand had become whole again.
0: That is so cool. I wish I had the power to make my hands grow bigger. It would be ridiculous.
1: Wow! (laughs) Okay. Uh, So he's just over here
0: with the power of the Lord
1: in his pocket. Basically. Basically. Uh, This was an important milestone in his now budding life as a wonder worker. While he had previously been the mere subject of miraculous circumstances, this is to believe the first ever miracle uh, performed by Nicholas.
0: That's that's, uh, miraculous. I love it. And I'm just going to say only one person on this podcast is a hater on Santa right now because I'm believing the hype.
1: Well, man, it's just these stories were written hundreds of years after he became we'll see he becomes a staple in religion in Europe. So these were yeah, written a couple hundred years after he died. And it's just like, how can we make him just seem like uh, he was sent here by God?
0: Okay. you I'm don't pathetic. think you don't think in hundreds of years, they're going to still be talking about great people now like well, no. in hundreds of years they'll be writing about johnny smith and they'll be like oh he was a magician yeah. on a podcast
1: and then and then they'll just make it fanatical like yeah after uh his wife died he brought her right back it was incredible like have have you yeah. seen walmart we are fanatical over santa
0: claus i'm here for all of the phantasm I don't
1: get what we're so, arguing against here.
0: We're not arguing. You're a hater against Santa. You're like, oh, his miracles. I'm like, why? Wow, I, am- I met the lady with a messed up hand up in Erie. You were there. It is a miracle. <laughs> I got a great joke out of it.
1: It's it's all circumstantial. None of his actual miracles have been proven by Are you a prosecutor now oh my god no i am just somebody who likes the truth in the story and i am just skeptic on this all right
0: man believing not believing in santa i've heard some things and this is a this is the holiday special folks i guess where dan uh interrogates santa claus there's a big light hanging and he's like who brings the presents santa where are the elves like losing his mind
1: no, man, I'm just trying to tell this story to the best of my ability. Now, do you mind?
0: Look, if you're going to keep hating on Santa Claus, I'm going to keep calling you on it. We're Team Santa over I'm here. Not, oh, I'm oh, not oh, hating oh, oh, on oh.
1: Santa. This is part of Santa.
0: Okay? Yeah, man.
1: He's performed miracles. Uh, so... Nicholas was in his teens when both his parents succumbed to complications stemming from the plague. No, Johnny, not that plague. This was COVID too. Uh, though his parents managed a large fishing fleet among a handful of other thriving businesses, they were altruists who spent the bulk of their time doing charity work. When they contracted the disease, they had been serving, uh, people ill with the crippling disease and so they contracted it early sources claimed is the plague of Cyprian. cyprian uh the terminal plague of the era that claimed the lives of nicholas's parents the plague named after its chief chronicler uh saint cyprian of carthage was so dreadful that Cyprian mistook the contagion as an indication of the world's approaching end. So this plague was pretty bad.
0: You know, people take a lot of things as the world's approaching end. Mm-hmm. People have been waiting on the end since the beginning.
1: Exactly. Um, as soon as the story begins, it's going to end. Hey, yo. Uh... So it was pretty bad, and we are going to talk about uh, how people die from this. Okay, we get a little in-depth.
0: Okay, oh, we get a little in-depth, no surprise there.
1: Uh, So Cyprian wrote of it, The kingdom of God, beloved brethren, is beginning to be at hand. No sum of gold was enough to keep the pestilence at bay, as evidenced by its casualties. In addition to countless nobles, the plague took the lives of not one, but two emperors. Emperor Hostilian in 251, and Emperor Claudius Gothicus in 270. Uh, Oh, so it lasted a while, too. Yeah, man. Um, The symptoms recorded by Cyprian were horrific. Uh, To say the least, as the strength of the body is dissolved, the bowels dissipate in a flow. A fire that begins in the utmost death burns into wounds and in the throats. So it sounds like pretty bad, like stomach acid reaction. The intestines yeah, are shaken, shaken with continuous vomiting. Uh, the eyes are set on fire from the force of the blood. As weakness prevails through the failures and losses of the body, the, uh, they are crippled and the hearing is blocked or the vision is blinded. So basically, this starts in your stomach, destroys your stomach. Uh, most eyes bleed blood from the sounds of it, and then you're, oh, man. you lose the loss of your hearing and your eyesight.
0: Nobody makes my eyes bleed their own blood, man. Get out of here. That's uh, awful.
1: So Nicholas sat back and watched as his parents suffered through this. Uh, but still, his un- unfaltering faith remained intact. Another testament of his will for God. Um, you
0: know, Dan, um, I kind of want to interject with something I haven't really spoke about to anyone. But I'm kind of dealing with the same thing. I got some uh, extremely close to me people right now suffering from COVID.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man, I know. And uh my uh my positive energy goes out to Nan and your mom. And uh I I hope everything turns out uh 50% of this podcast is pulling for your family. A
0: hundred percent of this podcast, you weirdo. <laughs> 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 See, made you laugh. Oh my god. Yeah, man, they're uh, what a, they're in what the best, but right now struggle. they're still struggling.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, my heart goes out to Nan. Uh, I hope she's okay. I hope your mom's okay, but I know your aunt better, and she's a sweetheart.
0: Dan, I don't know what foreign woman you think this is. She just goes by Nan and Nan. Nan.
1: Nan. Sorry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There we. I'm. Saying, what'd you put a little Jamaican spin on it? Hey,
1: hey, non, how you doing, non? Non bread, ah, uh, from the Middle East. Just if I saw the, I saw the way it was spelt, and I just made that association in my head. Don't need to make it we're racist, it Johnny.
0: We're, huh? we're bringing it all back to the Middle East, folks. Talking about Santa.
1: Oh yeah. Ah, uh, you know, ah, uh, who probably had non bread at one point? Nicholas. Uh, Nicholas. So, uh, Nicholas watched helplessly again as his parents went through this and he became an orphan uh, but Nicholas received a hefty inheritance and numerous properties upon the death of his parents but he didn't want them he sold yeah, the no houses cool. he sold the houses He and uh, over the course of his life he basically gave away his inheritance to everybody else
0: Oh, what a nice guy.
1: Yeah, 100%. Uh, So I might not believe the miracles he performed, Johnny, but I Mm. believe that he was a pure human being.
0: I I can appreciate that, but I've been curious to know what you've been drinking out of your coffee mug, and apparently it's Haterade.
1: (laughs) No, it was peppermint tea, but close no um i believe the story of his kindness is what uh belongs to santa uh when i think of santa i don't think of christmas magic and all that i think of kindness and the good nature of the world and to me this is what nicholas stories embodies i might not be a true believer of all of it but i am a believer that he was a kind Gentle human being that did not care about himself, and he cared about everybody else around him. And I believe that more people should be like this. And I believe that he is a hundred percent what Christianity should
0: be. You sound like one of those girls that say, "I'm not religious, I'm spiritual."
1: You know, that's kind of insulting for you know me just bearing my soul there, uh, <laughs> but. <laughs> we are going to move past it. Uh no <laughs> this is the Christmas episode, Johnny. No reason <laughs> to be mean to your friends.
0: <laughs> Dan, no, I felt like you were setting me up with that, so I had to take a swing.
1: Oh, <laughs> I don't, I don't give you any pushback, Dan. I'm perfectly nice to you every week, Dan.
0: This whole podcast is just like an episode of Mean Girls. Bah humbug. <laughs> I just feel like you're hating on my homie Santa,
1: the miracle worker out here. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> he sold everything and he moved to his uncle Nicholas's monastery. And the company of his new guardian and the monks, his only friends, uh, Nicholas processed his grief through extensive prayer binges and studying scripture. See, this, this is, is the what second.
0: I mean. This is the second episode yeah. in a row where where monks have come up.
1: Yeah. Um let's Nicholas he didn't do what normal people did. He didn't get hammered drunk. He just binged on prayers. Like, oh Nicholas, yeah, I noticed three. your I noticed your candle was still lit at three in the morning. What were you doing, huh? Uh I was praying, Uncle. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's a very
0: pure pure life, it sounds like.
1: That's what I'm saying to me. That's what Santa Claus is
0: it's just a good dude, good, good, sweet, pure, yes, good, intention. 100%.
1: Man. That's to me, that is what I take from Christmas. Christmas is supposed to be pure, it's supposed to be wonderful, supposed to be the time where everybody feels the love, even though I wish that extended 365, but it's just. Everything to me is just about Christmas is pure love and pure joy.
0: All right. Uh, I guess here's my payback for you bearing your soul and me shitting on it. Uh, There's our language barrier, folks. Sorry about that. Um,
1: Wow.
0: I will, I will, I will bear my soul here. Christmas makes me incredibly sad. Christmas Mm -hmm. presses the heck out of me.
1: I'm Um, sure it does.
0: And not only like, as a child, you know, everybody loves Christmas, but then when you grow up, you just look forward to getting stuff and it lost its, you know, luster in my early twenties, you know, cause I, whatever I was an adult, didn't care. And then uh, once I got married again, you know, my wife brought that, uh, that sweet Christmas innocence tradition, all that looking forward to warm stuff with family back. And then after she left, man, Christmas has just been a shell the entire time. Like, I look at old pictures of like beautiful Christmas settings and it brings me
1: sadness. Johnny, I love you and you have my support, and I definitely will be calling you on Friday continuously. Uh, but your <laughs> life sounds like the plot of a uh, Christmas movie. Uh, eventually, I would say here pretty soon. Uh, In your backstory, you're probably going to meet like a uh, pure heart of gold Christmas witch. Or uh, you're going to become Santa Claus. So one of the two is going to happen to you.
0: Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, I assure you this is probably like the origin story of uh, a modern day Grinch. Uh,
1: Man, I don't think so. With the energy you brought to this episode so far... You will never become a Grinch, my friend. And I won't let oh, it happen. Uh,
0: Listen to this guy.
1: So, the older Nicholas uh, was delighted by his nephew's religious zest. Uh, dude, he was dedicated to God, he was dedicated to his religion. Uh, the younger Nicholas had been, may have been, uh, <clears throat> several years or even decades younger than the monks and other churchgoers. But these folks respected him, and they viewed him as a spiritual leader of sorts, often presenting Man. to him uh, questions regarding the faith and its doctrines.
0: That really so, appeals to me so much.
1: <laughs> so if you had a question about scripture, you went to Nicholas. Uh, about a year or two, see, I told you. Do I not no, know that, that You know, that,
0: that may be the ending chapter to my life as I join a monastery. I know. Like ah, uh, I could see that happening. And if the, you know what, I'm giving it I'm giving the world with COVID and everything. I'm going to give it 5 more years and if we're still like living like this in 5 years, I'm out, man. I'm I'm joining a monastery.
1: Oh man, I hope not.
0: Uh Yeah, I hope not too. I hope we're able to go on the road again. I hope we're able to do a live podcast hopefully from the Erie movie house. Shout out to everyone listening.
1: Um so Shortly after him, I don't think this is going to last much longer. Uh, 2021 is still going to be rocky, but I think 2022 is going to be absolutely wonderful. Uh, I thought you were talking
0: about the podcast.
1: Oh, the best is yet to come with us. Uh, Nicholas was appointed the official reader at Mass, and shortly after that, he was inducted into priesthood. Priestal responsibilities aside, uh, Nicholas served as his uncle's personal assistant, and he was entrusted with the guidance of the uh, the church-going flock. Um, Bishop Nicholas made the following remarks at his nephew's ordination. I see, brethren, a new sun rising above the earth, infesting in himself, and a uh, gracious consolation for the afflicted. Blessed is the flock that will be worthy to have him as its pastor, because this one will shepherd well the souls of those who have gone astray, will nourish them on the pasturage of piety, and will be a merciful helper in misfortune and tribulation.
0: That's beautiful, man. This this whole story is like it's pushing me
1: over the edge. Like I so, to join. The bar was set for Nicholas. Uh, well, if that's the case, then we're gonna start this episode. Stop this episode right now! Uh, <laughs> don't leave me. Uh, his sermons <laughs> as earnest as they were impassioned to move every soul that heard him. Uh, he is a great orator, uh, and the words inspire listeners not only to spread forth the word of God, but to do good in their communities.
0: So, and that's that's the life for me. I'm re- like, you know, I, I've done some preaching before. I would, uh, one day,
1: the most renowned of Nicholas's charitable accomplishments is a tale often referred to as Saint Nicholas and the Three Impoverished Maidens. Now, I will tell you for a fact, this story probably happened.
0: Okay, come on, super hater. Uh,
1: well, there's there's different variations of the story out here, but they all are the same gist. He gave a lot of money to a poor family, and he would uh, give other gifts over at night to other people around Myra.
0: So, is so, this where like the origin of the Lord yeah, him giving out presents to all the kids come from? Yes,
1: a hundred percent. Um, so. Roughly a year or so into his priesthood, Nicholas learned of a, uh, supposedly through a divine vision, a wealthy uh, businessman who had abruptly gone bankrupt. The unnamed man, the father of three beautiful women, were inconsolable even the loss of his hard-earned fortune. So much that he began to toy with the idea of selling off his daughters to a nearby brothel. Uh, Nicholas, yes, this guy was thinking of making hookers out of his daughter. Um, Nicholas, who was greatly repulsed by the man's intentions, as a normal human being should, was committing to putting a stop to this idea immediately.
0: Uh, I just want to interject to say, I just want to interject to say sex work is real work.
1: No, it is but a father should not be selling his daughters against their will into it. That is called sex. right there with you. Right right there with you. Later that evening, he placed 300 gold coins into a handkerchief satchel and tossed it into the open window of the man's home. Uh, The imagery here
0: is very cool.
1: uh, Which fell snugly into one of the woolen stockings that had been left the fire to dry overnight. Uh Uh-oh! The man discovered the satchel and the stocking the following morning, and he was predictably happy by the gift left by the unidentified Good Samaritan. His previous plan was scrapped, and instead he paid a matchmaker to arrange a union between his first daughter and the son of a nobleman. Oh,
0: nice, the nice uh,
1: connection. The following morning, the father found another purse of gold in the same stocking by the fireplace. And this time, he used the funds to ensure a safe and respectable future for his second daughter. And most accounts, the oh, Samaritan oh. and the beneficiary never crossed paths. But there are some versions of this tale that describe a brief exchange. On the third evening, it is said the father guarded the fireplace awaiting the arrival of the secret donor. And as soon as the third purse switched into the stocking, the father sprang to his feet and dashed out the door, intercepting the flustered Nicholas. The following diagno- uh, dialogue is lifted from a bio- biography penned by the 9th century historian Michael the archmandrite as translated by Professor John Quinn of Hope College in Michigan. Ah, Nicholas, it is you, the father exclaimed. If our common master Christ hadn't stirred your goodness, we would have been long, to destroy, uh, long ago destroyed our own lives by shameful and destructive livelihood. But as it is, the Lord has saved us through you, most blessed one, and rescued us from the filth of Im- and morality. I don't like that language. <clears throat> nope.
0: Our common master. I don't like that.
1: Uh, you want to know what I believe? What's that chief? I don't think he got caught. I, I yeah. choose to believe, uh, because I don't think Nicholas would have liked that. I think we know, um, later on down the road, cause he probably wrote it down or told somebody, but he would have hated being like, oh my God, thank you so much, dude.
0: Yeah, he was he was the prince of his time.
1: He would rather uh he would rather put God more into this guy's heart than he would have uh had the guy know about him giving him his money. Yeah, he didn't like, want any
0: credit for this.
1: Right. He wanted God to take the credit. Uh, That's
0: why this is his ultimate punishment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, dude, he would probably even hate the fact that we're doing a podcast <laughs> about
0: him. Guess uh, what, sucker! I already got coal for Christmas, so you're gonna you're gonna get this podcast.
1: Uh, not only did this uh, often repeated tale spark off international tradition still upheld to this very day. His protection of the young daughters is why he is now regarded as the patron saint of children and vulnerable, quote, marriageable maidens around the globe.
0: Marriageable maidens. Single ladies. He is the guardian of single ladies. Uh,
1: Well, this this means marriageable aid. Uh, uh, So, like, 14, 15-year-old women. Man,
2: oh, I'm a single ladies. Oh, I'm a
1: single. Santa's lady. got you. Oh, 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 oh. If you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. Okay, uh, this is where the timeline gets a little hazy in certain accounts. Hey, you can't have. Only fun every week. So let me have a little. (laughs) See, this is what I'm talking about when I don't give any pushback and Dan's
0: like, wait a minute, I better defend myself.
1: (laughs) I heard the sigh and the (laughs) wow. And I can see you. I can (laughs) see you,
0: Johnny. I'm standing in front of a brick wall right now.
1: (laughs) Um. So up until this time this is where 100 percent the timeline gets pretty hazy okay he's either 20 at this time or he's either closer to 40 you know there's no in between so we're just going to try to tell this tale uh as best as possible nicholas only ventured out of the homely land after decades um in certain accounts, Nicholas only ventured uh, out to the Holy Land after decades of priestly service and charity work around 312. In other accounts uh, related by Chronicles, uh, Nicholas was somewhere between his late teens or in his mid-twenties. Okay. So this came about um, uh, His his uncle... Uh, went out on, on his annual pilgrimage pilgrimage to Jerusalem uh, mm-hmm. when he left Nicholas was uh, put in charge uh, of the church while his uncle was gone so his uncle came back and that inspired him to take his own uh his own pilgrimage okay his own journey so uh this guy's about to return to where uh Jesus is from. He's returning to the Holy Land or he's traveling here for the first time. So he's actually gonna really enjoy himself here. Mm-hmm. Well like he's on a pilgrimage how he enjoys himself, right? like he he gets caught up in all the food, the friendly locals, just um being in touch with God.
0: You know what? He is approaching this the way I do when I go to Las Vegas. (laughs)
1: Um, So, uh, Ed Dern, I briefly mentioned this because this this story is highly unlikely. And no, I'm not hating Johnny. But supposedly, he had a dream that uh, there was a storm coming. And then midday, he went out onto the ship's deck, and he just looks at everybody and goes, Storm's coming! And they go, yeah, whatever. And then immediately a storm came in out of nowhere, and then Nicholas is like, stop. Please, God, make this stop. And then everything, as quick as it came in, the storm just stopped.
0: First off, the way you described that, I had the image in my head completely, and I'm believing it. Uh, Pretty dope. Good job on you,
1: Nicholas. At Last the pilgrims arrived at Jerusalem, Uh, Nicholas was enraptured by the opportunity to walk where Christ had trodden.
0: Yeah, Um, one day, one day, man.
1: Nourish himself with the same food that Christ ate, and above all, to pray where Christ had prayed. He also took to the welcoming hospital locals who offered up their homes to the pilgrims. Uh, Late one evening, Nicholas made the trek to what was then the only church left standing in Jerusalem, the Church of the Room of the Last Supper. It took him several hours to navigate Mount Zion in the dark with no map, so it's easy to imagine his disappointment when he finally reached his destination to only see chains and locks bolting the front doors shut.
0: Oh, man, that would be disappointing. I've been there.
1: As Nicholas started to turn on his heel... The chains and locks disintegrated and the front door oh. swung open as if pushed open by invisible hands. And he ducked into the church and at once he, quote, fell to the ground in Thanksgiving. Yes, I love it. The days that followed, Nicholas journeyed around Jelu- Jerusalem, stopping at every sacred place, connect connecting with the earthly service of Christ. He fell so deeply in love with the area that he began to contemplate settling down in Ju- Jerusalem for good. Uh, his plans were thwarted by God, though, who visited Nicholas in another dream. He said, You must return to Lycia, God instructed him. I have other plans for you there. Naturally, Nicholas complied. He quickly wrapped up his pilgrimage tour briefly stopping at Golgotha, Bethlehem, and the Holy uh, Spolurcher before sailing back to Patera.
0: When God tells you something, man, you got to listen.
1: Well, so here's where some of the conflicting stories are. Either this happened like 10 days into his pilgrimage, or this happened three or four years into his pilgrimage.
0: Okay, so we're a little dusty on the times.
1: Right. Um, so some say that he had w- was living in Bethlehem and was in a mosaic, a mon- monastic uh, community that uh, dwelled in an assemblage of nearby caves. Uh, and here he became kind of uh, ascetic. Instead of, uh, you know, a type of religious discipline. Um, Okay. okay. And he reportedly, uh, like ascetic Jews, right? Yeah. Like we know them as, yeah. Not only did the solitude um, allow him to worship for several hours or days on end without interruption, it also provided him with the time to put his own thoughts to paper. He is rumored to have composed a few short manuscripts, Perhaps regarding his interpretations of his favorite biblical verses, or a journal in which he logged the divine revelations he received and the miracles he performed. Unfortunately, no copies of this original literature had survived. Oh, man. That's um, terrible. So, in his new lifestyle, he limited his visits to the outside world. So, he really stayed in his caves. And he prayed, and he dedicated his entire existence to God. Um, he, when he did visit the outside world, he made sure to exude goodwill and spread unto others the word and love of God on his trips into town. Again, just spread cheer and goodwill. Like this, this here for me is the basis of Santa Claus.
0: Man, I'm like Santa Claus then, because everywhere I go, I'm spreading cheer and goodwill. You sure are, my friend. I'm fucking Santa Claus. You know, one time, and I don't know if I told you this before, one time I was in jail, and uh, I was heavier. My beard was much bigger than it is now, and my hair was like halfway down my back. And uh, my cellmate at the time told me to come over in the county jail and say hi to his kids, because it was December, and he told them uh, I was Santa Claus's kid.
1: Wow. Well, yeah, Jonathan, and they believed be, they believed every minute of it. To be fair, every time before now, you've been heavier. That's that's very true. Um, on one occasion, he encountered a elderly gentleman supposedly drowning in debt, now unable to feed his family, peddling a selection of rugs on the side of the road. To the delight of the vendor, Nicholas purchased three rugs from him and insisted upon paying triple the price tag. On his way back to the oh, cage, wow. Nicholas stopped by the vendor's home, returned the merchandise to the wife, and proceeded on his way back to the outskirts without ever providing his name or explanation. Okay, so he he just he
0: just out here giving money away. I like it. Um.
1: So, and so these aren't the there's stories of his miracles. And then there's stories of his charity like this. And I believe these stories a hundred percent.
0: Okay. I'm right there with you. I believe all the stories about Santa Claus.
1: Nicholas Nicholas is also believed to have performed a few miracles during his time in Bethlehem. One day Mm. the monk (laughs) preached. Chanced upon a beggar limping along the side of the road, dragging his deformed leg behind him. Without a second thought, Nicholas allowed the beggar to climb onto his back and carried him, take my good hand, and carried him all the way back to the monastery. There he rubbed the beggar's legs with holy oils and prayed for his recovery. The beggar rose from the ground, his previously paralyzed limb fully healed.
0: That is an awesome story. Heal that Uh, leg, Junior.
1: So on other accounts, Nicholas only embraced the ascetic lifestyle when he returned to Lycia. With the consent of his uncle, Bishop Nicholas, the aspiring hermit, entered the monastery of Holy Sion, another monastery owned by his uncle located in the fringes of the town of Lycia.
0: Oh, he comes from deep church money. Watch out. Oh, yeah, man. Um, Getting all the honey's. Hey, come on, baby. Don't worry about it. My uncle owns this church.
1: Uh, neighbors gossiped about the seemingly fanatical religious uh, ador of the newly tonsured monk, but their insults rolled off Nicholas. Uh, Nicholas, they said, often quoted one of the psalmists in response I have rather I have chosen rather to be an outcast in the house of my God.
0: I could just see Nicholas walking. they're like, hey, you nut job or whatever you know terms they use for the time and he just turns around and he's like by the power of God, I'm rubber and you are glue whatever you say bounces off of me and sticks to you amen
1: right um yeah that, and actually. One of the articles I read, that's uh, where's the quote at? Where's the quote at? Um, Their insults rolled off Nicholas like glue on rubber.
0: Oh, yep, yep. Look at me. I'm like a prophet. The Lord put that in me to say.
1: (laughs) The monks, uh, so people talk down onto them because uh, monks, these monks were kind of fanatical, according to the civilian population. Uh, but they're overjoyed to have uh, Nicholas with him because he's he's still these rumors of his good deeds and his miracles follow him. So it's like having a celebrity, it's like Tom Cruise joining Scientology and in (laughs) no way am I comparing Christianity to Scientology. I'm just saying like it's kind of doing for Christianity what Tom Cruise joining Scientology did.
0: First off, good analogy. You said they were considered religious extremists?
1: Basically, yes. Because they were ascetic.
0: Now, we have to ask what type of extremist?
1: Extremists like the Westboro Baptist Church? No, like, I'm going to sell everything. I am going to give up my gigantic fortune. And I am going to wear nothing but brown robes and live in here and not live an extravagant lifestyle, which was I was meant to.
0: So like, kind of like Harry Krishna is without the preaching, without the singing.
1: Yes. Um but <coughs> Nick was he was happy to be here because he was an introvert, basically. He wanted a quiet life defined only by worship, contemplation, and personal um uh, reflection.
0: You know, side note, Dan, I bet, uh, I bet if he punched someone, it was like getting punched by a superhero because, because the power of the Lord was defending him. Like, so at
1: this (laughs) time, so at this time, Nicholas had another vision. Um, God came to him and he made it clear to him saying, Nicholas, if you desire to be, uh, offered a crown from me. Go and struggle for the good of the world. Uh the holy scion is not the vineyard in which you shall bring forth the fruit I expect of you. But turn back, go in the world, and let my name be glorified in you.
0: Beautiful message.
1: Uh Beautiful even pastor, it hurt Nicholas to leave the monastery. Uh he but he did uh, precisely as he was told. He's not going to question his lord. Uh, he packed the bare essentials and headed north, eventually wandering into Myra, Lycia's main metropolis.
0: And that's where he was He was from originally, right?
1: Yeah, this area. Um, okay. He would later be called St. Nicholas of Myra. So there's a couple different stories about this. And we, uh, we are going to talk about them. Uh, so basically, uh, at the time he wandered into Myra... Um, <clears throat> it, okay, hold on. Sorry, let me back up. The vibrant city of Myra was teeming with life and constant activity, but the adaptable Nicholas preserve, uh, persevered. While he was scandalized by the paganism and uh, property and moral uh, turpitude that prevailed in the city, basically boozing and whoring, uh, he found consolation <laughs> in the fact that he was as much a stranger to the locals as they were to him. Nicholas neglected to bring any form of currency with him for he was confident that God would provide. Mm, yep. Yahweh Yara. The Lord will provide. On. Uh, With God on his side, Nicholas would not remain a pauper for long. Uh, The Bishop of Myra and Archbishop of Lycia was suddenly struck by an illness and had claimed his life just days later. Following the Archbishop's untimely death, the remaining bishops of Lycia conveyed in Myra at once to discuss the selection of a new bishop for the capital city. A few sound candidates stepped forward, but the prospective bishops argued amongst themselves and uh, were unable to come to an agreement. Uh, In the end, one of the senior bishops presented his proposal. The election of a bishop to this throne is not up to the decision of the people, but is a matter of God's direction. It is proper for us to say prayers so that the Lord himself Will disclose who is worthy to receive such rank and be the shepherd of the whole land of Lycia. That evening, the eldest and wisest of the bishops was visited by God in a dream. Some accounts the unnamed bishop heard a, uh, 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 a authoritative disembodied voice, and in others, he saw a man in the image of light. But oh, so he his, okay. It said, arise early tomorrow morning before the crack of dawn and proceed to the church. Take care to watch the doors. Before the first prayer service of the day, a man will enter my house and you will receive him. This is my choice. Receive him with honor and install him as archbishop. The name of this man is Nicholas. Oh. Uh, So not to refuse the word of God, the bishop did as he was instructed. About an hour before the start of the morning prayer, the door swung open and in stepped an unassuming, disheveled young man. The bishop was dubious, but still he confronted the gentleman and requested his name. My name is Nicholas, the young man replied. I am the servant of thy holiness, Master. The bishop replied, Nicholas, servant and friend of God, God came to me in my slumber last night and entrusted me to deliver you this message for your holiness, you shall be Bishop of this place.
0: Wow. That's so interesting to me. Like, I don't know. I just fall into the story. Like I enjoy hearing it. And there's,
1: there's several different accounts of this happen. Another notable one is that God told them, uh, basically the next man to enter this barber shop uh, will be your archbishop and Nicholas entered to get a haircut.
0: Tell me who's that writing, John.
1: John, the revelator. The revelator. tell me who's that writing, John. I know that from Sunday Anarchy. Uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> I know that from
0: uh, The Blues Brothers 2000.
1: Yes, such a great movie that one, too. But at the end of like season one, uh, the main character, uh, he just kind of discovered some bad things about the club. And he just kind of walks into this funeral, throws his jacket down, and that song's playing in the background. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a very powerful moment in the show. But yes, Blues Brothers 2000 is a great movie that I need to watch here again soon.
0: Uh, Yeah, I've been listening to the soundtrack over and over again. I really
1: enjoy it. That's awesome. Uh, The uh, elderly bishop revealed the good tidings to his peers, who only then begun to trickle into the church.
0: Now, I imagine they were not happy about this immediately.
1: Not immediately. Some accounts, Nicholas was appointed bishop in the year 317, uh, meaning he was anywhere between 37 to 47 years old. Other chronicles reference in his nickname, the boy bishop, insist he was far younger, perhaps around 30 Maybe even in his later 20s.
0: The boy bishop. Yep. Oh, you come to see the boy bishop, you do. Well, you must ask yourself are you a man of faith or not?
1: Step right uh, this way. So, Nicholas's new subjects, clergymen and laymen alike, uh, held their bishop in high regard, for to them, he was a, a messenger and the agent handpicked. By God.
0: Yes, this is the bishop, the herald of
1: God himself, presented to us through the only the magic of Christ. Uh, so is Bane like God to you? Is that what's going on? No, here? that
0: wasn't even a bane. That wasn't even a bane. did that sound like bane? Yes, it did. Oh no, I was just dicking around. <laughs> on the
1: day of Nicholas's uh, consecration, one young mother. So this, this is, you're going to like this story. Um, just kind of showcases that there's terrible mothers, even back in the day, uh, young, one mother who had forgotten about the event prepared to bathe her toddler. But sure before she began to rummage around for some soap, she hauled the metal tub onto a fire to keep the bath water warm. With the toddler inside, that was when oh was bell-
0: about to make some baby stew.
1: Uh, so the church bells began to toll, signaling uh, signaling the start of the consecration. In her trance-like state, the mother leapt to her feet and hastened towards the cathedral, uh, promptly forgetting about her kid in the tub. The young woman entered the church, but only barely, for the church um, was packed. And just with just about everyone in the city. She remained patient and she stood in the winding queue stretched out before the bishop's seat. At long last, she came her turn for a blessing. But as soon as she saw Nicholas, it hit her. Boom. My kid is in the tub. And the light on her face instantly vanished. Oh, Bishop Nicholas, the mother cried. In my haste to attend your consecration. I neglected to remove my child from his tub. Nicholas reached out for a hand uh, and said, Do not be stressed. Your son is unharmed. Now go with God. And Nicholas was right. The frantic mother returned home, um, and as she cut through the daunting billows of dark smoke uh, uh, surrounding the tub, she found her infant was giggling and splashing around in the water. She removed her baby from the tub, held him tight, and fell to her knees praising God and Nicholas's name. <clears throat> imagine,
0: imagine if this was like on a tour somewhere. Like, uh, if you guys look to your left, you'll see where St. Nicholas prevented boy soup from happening. Uh, all right, thank you. No pictures, folks. The mother's
1: a private party. She likes enjoying her kids. On to the next spot. <laughs> that was that was really good.
0: Uh his- Yeah, I had to I had to pull another uh uh mouth effect out of my ass because both of them sounded like Bane. I needed something
1: different. This would will, will go down as this first noted miracle. Oh. So that's his first one. I thought his first one was the lady in the no, hand. No, as as an archbishop. I'm sorry. This is his first um uh act or his first miracle of God as bishop of Myra. But okay. not his last. Um uh, but uh we are this is probably the only dark spot on our story. Emperor Diocletian's hatred of Christians was evident since he rose to power in 284 but in year 303 the persecution of Christians rose to a new level Nicholas who was the bishop of the most affluent city in Lycia was among those targeted by name and as such he was shackled and thrown into a shallow and lightless cell already congested with other Christians hmm It is said that he remained behind bars for close to half a decade, and about a year into his stay, he was placed into solitary confinement, where he remained for at least four more years.
0: Okay, now I will say, I think solitary confinement should be banned. It is terrible. However... If there's one man that I could see being fine through it, it's definitely Nicholas.
1: Thriving in this. Yes, because all he wants to do is be alone and pray to God. He'd probably even thank God. Like, hey, man, thank you. This is all I ever wanted. I got some you know, time to myself, uh, and I get to talk to you. This is wonderful. Thank you. Nicholas, mm-hmm. uh, so on top of starvation, lack of sunlight, and solitary loneliness, uh, Nicholas was dragged out of his cell several times a week, made to endure numerous forms of barbaric torture. They whipped him with oh, nail-studded no. studded scrouges, uh, wrenched off his nails one at a time, and twisted his ah. flesh with blazing hot pliers. But the resilient Nicholas persisted, ah. refusing to renounce his face. faith. It was only Good on him. The only after the Edict of Milan, published by Emperor Constantine in three uh, three thirteen, that the persecution of Christians was lifted and the prisoner sentences imposed by the former employee, emperor were annulled. So at least ten years. Wow, uh, that was that
0: was pretty intense,
1: man. Christians uh, who boldly refused to disavow. Uh, Christ walked free and proceeded to flourish in a harmonious environment provided by the tolerant Constantine. Uh, And I was reading a little bit about Constantine, and I will say he's probably going to be the subject of a future dive. Um, But for Nicholas, his freedom was relatively short-lived. In 325, more than 300 bishops hailing from lands both near and far conveyed in the city of Nicaea, which was hosting a conference now referred to as, as the Council of Nicaea. The forum conducted debates on a variety of topics predominantly concerning potential plans for expansion and new methods on informing one's faith. The most stirring of these debates, however, were those centered on heresy, Araeus and an Alexandrian Presbyter and the founder of Christian. Uh, I like
0: that. I like that title. <laughs> uh,
1: was the most controversial name on the docket. Nicholas did not like him. Nicholas' seat in the front <laughs> row provided him with a full view of the floor. And when it came to his turn to address the paganism and the heresy of Araeus, the normally composed Nicholas shocked his peers by raising his voice to an extent that the whole room seemed to rumble. The oh, combative, wow, araeus retorted with greater volume and fervor so much that the increasingly agitated Nicholas became sorely fed up with his invasion of questions and his insistent hijacking of the conversation. In the midst of one of araeus's speeches, Nicholas got up, crossed the room, Smacked that bitch in the face while I made it about an hour in and slapped Arayas on the cheek. Other accounts dismissed the open handed slap, instead asserting that Nicholas's fist landed cleanly on Arayas' right ear. So mama said knock you out. Uh that Boom. is exactly what he did. Um I like he, it. I'm
0: starting to see this thing like as a movie. Like maybe we was, should have a new Christmas movie.
1: He was a passionate man. He had been imprisoned for his beliefs. His word was the word of God. And this guy was talking about heresy and we're going to talk about it here shortly. Nicholas hated paganism, which is also kind of ironic because a lot of his traditions now, at least around Santa Claus, is kind of dipped in paganism.
0: In a world where Christianity is a death sentence,
1: <laughs> That's it That's all. Uh, Apart from the ringing in his ears And perhaps the bruised ego Aureus was unharmed But the law was clear It was illegal for anyone Even bishops to strike a man of the cloth Let alone <clears throat> such a high ranking member of the community Nicholas was apprehended by his fellow bishops Who hesitantly disrobed him Placed him in cuffs And locked him in a cell
0: Oh no, not again. Nicholas oh the recidivism man. rate. It's the recidivism rate out here. They make it so easy to go back in.
1: Uh, Nicholas spent the rest of the evening praying, and when he was rewarded with a visit from the angels and hey, some other accounts. <laughs>
0: Hold on, I've seen this story before. I've seen this unfold. Guy gets arrested and he's all in the in the holding cell just praying, "Lord, please get me out of this. Lord Jesus, I didn't mean oh. I didn't even mean to smoke that crack. Lord, please. You know I'm trying to get myself clean. It was such a good deal, Lord. Please get me out of here."
1: <laughs> Some accounts, he was visited by angels. Some accounts, Jesus and his mother Mary were there. The next morning, That could have been
0: PCP. That could have been PCP. That was intense. <laughs>
1: Who's a hater now? Uh the next morning, the jailer, <laughs> along with a company of bishops, came by Nicholas's cell prepared to uh deal out his final punishment. But to their astonishment, he was seated cozily in the corner of the cell, fully dressed in his robes with his Bible open on his lap. The chains have been had been bandaged around his wrist just hours ago, lay in a neat coil next to the door of the cell. So they come to (laughs) the next morning, he's in his robes, reading his favorite book, had a cup of hot chocolate, and his restraints were off of him.
0: He's like Doctor Strange.
1: Right. So I love it. It was confirmed that Nicholas had been alone throughout the night, Emperor Constantine ordered the release of the bishop at once. Some biographers claim that this was yet another accomplishment in his portfolio of miracles. However, it is others insist that it was his peers who conspired to free him.
0: Okay. Um, I'm going to say the second group are some haters. And uh, for the first one, all glory goes to God.
1: All right. Uh, all right. <laughs> We we all know which stance I'm taking. Uh once Nicholas was reinstated a bishop, he continued on his quest against paganism and false Christianity. He was strongly opposed I like to it. The, strongly opposed to the reverence of the local traditionists displayed towards the virgin virgin goddess of fertility, Artemis. Uh, Artemis uh, once the most Highly v- venerated deity in all of Lycia, it was his greatest fear as bishop that the locals revert to their old worshiping habits, which included the vile practice of animal and human sacrifices. As such, it mm-hmm. seemed only logical to d- dismantle all these pagan worshiping places, thereby eliminating the temptation of uh, adultery for good.
0: Okay, so take the take the choice out of the picture. Right Last chance for them to sin if there's nothing to sin with.
1: Like he went to this very famous temple, the Temple of Art, uh, Artemis. Um, it's it was once the most breathtaking structure of the world, and this dude just walked up to it with a sledgehammer and started breaking it apart. Um, boom! I love it. Boom! Boom! No justice, no peace. Right? Am I right, folks? Right. So basically he destroyed the shrine uh starting with the again with the temple. Um he climbed the column, smashed the porcelain statue of the goddess into hundreds of pieces. Uh so thorough with his work that by the end of the destruction even the foundations of the century-old establishment had been torn out of the ground.
0: Now I envision him just looking like full with Gray hair just in there smashing everything with that hammer.
1: Uh, and then there's another account of this story where he didn't even lift a finger, he just sat down and prayed, and God did all the work for him. Mm. Um
0: it sounds like he like has the Phoenix Force or something. Right.
1: No, like he's no, a monster. It... <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, man, so he, he also became known as a uh, protector of the people, uh, too. There's several accounts and stories, and we don't uh, have enough time to get into everything because this episode, part one's going to run a little long, I'm guessing. Uh, but there's just so many stories out there of him helping the people, uh, but a lot of his miracles and a lot of what he's kind of still remembered for Come in his final years. Right on uh, his later in life, his final years were marked by mystifying miracles and fantastic feats that demonstrated his genuine love for his flock. So one of the most famous ones, and again, this is the most often repeated one, next to his story about giving the guy the money uh inside a satchel. So three little boys. Uh, were collecting whatever edible foods they could find, um, which uh, in the town at the time had been destroyed by famine. When their stinging okay. blister fingers could pick no more, they reluctantly called it a day and headed off into town. Exhausted and dehydrated and their stomachs still rumbling, the children ended up at the local birch- butcher shop rapped on the door with what little energy they had. "'Kind sir,' said one of the boys. "'The butcher answered the door. "'As the sun has now set, we were unable to find our way home. "'If you could please spare us food and a space on your floor to sleep, "'we would be so grateful.' "'The butcher eyed the children and grinned. "'Why, yes, boys, come in. "'Let us get you fed and rested.' "'Oblivious to the menacing tone of the butcher's voice,' The children entered, a lot of foreshadowing here, the children entered his shop. One by one, they were lured to the rear room with the promise of food, only to be strangled, hacked into several pieces, and tossed into a large pickling tub. Again, we're in a famine. Uh, Some say that the butcher preserved the children corpses and brine for a full seven years but. Before serving their flesh to customers, in most accounts, however, Nicholas learned of the gruesome murder that same evening in a dream. The next morning, an enraged Nicholas banged on the butcher's door with his his staff. Uh, Petrified by the look in the bishop's eyes, the butcher confessed immediately and led him to the crime scene. There Nicholas places placed his hand over the ghastly contents of the tub and prayed furiously under his breath. Rise up, children. Rise up and go with the Lord. Miraculously, the children emerged from the seething, amber-colored water, their limbs reassembled. Hallelujah, the children cried. "Give, Give praise to Nicholas and Christ our Savior. With that, the children walked out of the butcher shop good as new and went home to their families this they say is how nicholas became the patron saint of students and barrel makers
0: wow barrel makers that's one i haven't thought about
1: of course barrel makers are only some of the unlikely characters who came under nicholas's swiftly growing patronage uh, 1,850 miles to the west in a quaint, unmarked village in Italy lived two brothers named Giuseppe and Alfredo. A uh, little r- light racism, I think. Uh, the the wow. brothers, like <laughs> most, most of the villagers, were deprived and disadvantaged, and as such, they were forced to rely on their cunning to, bro- to provide for themselves. By their mid-teens, they had garnered a reputation as chaotic career criminals who engaged primarily in theft. They targeted only the rich and committed other petty crimes, but they were crimes all the same. But they were good people. They respected their elders, and they often shared their loot uh, with the underprivileged be that as it may, their widow mother feared for their soul. She dedicated over an hour of prayer regarding her boys each evening, pleading for the Holy Spirit to wash over them and reverse their ill-fated habits. Uh, eventually, God called upon Nicholas and instructed him to appear to Giuseppe and Alfredo, apparently bestowing upon him the power of divine astral projection. A day or two later, Giuseppe and Alfredo were forging through the kitchen of a herdsman who was away for the night. After stuffing themselves with some bread and cheese and washing down their finds with wine, uh, the brothers found themselves a spot on the floor and drifted off to sleep. And they were soon greeted by Bishop Nicholas of Myra.
0: Damn, let me tell you, Astro Projection is crazy. Have you ever done it?
1: No, but I know you it's have.
0: A, it's, a, it's a wild experience.
1: Uh, so I bet it is. So Nicholas knew a mere warning would not be enough to dissuade them from resuming their life of crime. So in order to drive his message home, he took them on a, a tour reminiscent of the journey that Ebenezer Scrooge embarked upon with the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. Yeah, you thought all we got uh, Christmas-wise from this story was going to be Santa Claus. No, no, we get Ebenezer Scrooge as well. We get a Christmas carol. In short, the tour was designed to show the brothers the unseen repercussions of their crimes concluded with the boys at the gallows and our heartbroken mother weeping in the crowd. So basically, he scared them straight with God. Uh, The Italian brothers arose the next morning. They returned the valuables they stole from the herdsmen and strode out the door, changed men. Never again did they take what did not belong to them. Instead, they started a proper business from which they earned a modest but sufficient living. This, they say, is how Nicholas became the patron saint of thieves. Oh, okay. Nicholas! That's a fascinating God- story. God-given powers, that seems, only involved with time. Apart from resurrecting the dead, the bishop was Myra's resident exorcist. Um, so he, he handled- has the
0: power of Nancy. He has astral projection. He has some type of uh, force of physical exertion. We don't know if it's an energy-based or what it is, but he can destroy the church like that. My man, I'm gonna go off and say, uh, Marvel got it right. Santa is an omega level mutant.
1: <clears throat> yeah, if anything, the fabled bishop's abilities knew no bounds, uh, like an omega level mutant. For he, he seems like even... um,
0: he has some type of influence. I, I don't know. Like it's not like uh, no. it's not no, like Johnny, Professor X, but it's more Johnny, like a hormonal influence.
1: You don't understand. There are stories where this dude even tamed dragons
0: okay bro i love it i'm here for it and you're and you're saying this is these are stories and they're not true okay just being a hater bro
1: <laughs> oh my god johnny uh nevertheless my man
0: tamed dragons
1: nevertheless the bishop's most uh, monumentous miracles were those that benefit not just one or two souls but all of lycia following a string of particularly poor harvest again, famine in a the region that devastated the region's food supply. The bishop prayed to God for an answer and the Lord informed him of an Italian merchant who was in the midst of loading his ship with a consignment of grain destined for Egypt. That evening, uh, Nicholas revealed to himself the merchant in a dream. Do not bring the grain to Egypt, said the bishop. Instead, deliver the grain to Myra and sell it there where the people in dire need of uh, nourishment do this. And I pledge to you three gold coins. When the mission, uh, the merchant woke the next day, he unclenched his fist and found three pieces of gold. uh, He had been promised. There's another rendition of this tale where basically Nicholas ran into this guy said, Hey, do you have grain? and just gave them all the money for the grain and uh, distributed it to the people of Myra.
0: Okay. Uh, so essentially another one where he's just helping everybody.
1: And then there's another story where he once traveled 300 miles to the heart of the empire where he persuaded the authorities to reduce the taxes paid by those in society's lower echelons
0: he's like lower the taxes for these people mm. on That's, December is, I, I'm really digging this guy. Why why th- this is the story they need to tell about St. Nicholas or Santa is that he's just out here beasting it up. Yeah. He's doing whatever.
1: Like I said, we get the the love for the greater good and the childful light, childlike wonderment that is portrayed in Santa, this is where we get it from. Uh but unfortunately on December 6th 343 the bishop laid his head down to rest for the very last time um, and he was with, uh, quoted as whispering I have hope in thee O lord lord and thine hands I commend my spirit with the final That's breath up, up, man? the bishop's eyes fell shut his soul ascending from his body to the glorious soundtrack of melodic trumpets and the voices of singing angels
0: yeah man that's awesome
1: but this is not where our story ends a few months later the citizens of Myra constructed a church in Nicholas's honor and stored in it a coffin filled with the bishop's remains and other blessed relics but despite the fact that the bishop was deceased the miracles had yet to cease to begin with just days after Nicholas was entombed a clear sweet smelling liquid Liquid now referred to as manna began to extrude from his bones. Anything who ca- came in contact with this substance, uh, it is said to uh, was instantly healed from their ailments. Oh, wow! Uh, when the bishop's uh, bones were exhumed in 1953, the linen cloth underneath the relics were reportedly drenched with manna, and this fragment, uh, fragrant river continues to flow from his bones to this day oh that's so cool of course it should come as no surprise that the authenticity of the manna continues to be a matter of great scientific dispute not only yeah, man, are these, some
0: people are just haters let's be honest some people were just haters
1: not only are these bottles of manna now available in select gift shops Veritable cash cows. The riveting story behind the product only aids in furthering their agenda. In 2002, a Venetian church that claimed to be in possession of a vial of 12th century manna were dealt a humili- humiliating blow. One scientist who collected a sample of the liquid for testing discovered that it had been vegetable oil from the 1300s
0: dan says scientists i say haters
1: <sighs> so as the compelling tales regarding the bishop's life and miracles spread the cult around him grew accordingly by the year 450 there's numerous churches scattered throughout asia minor and greece that consecrated in his honor 90 years later Byzantine Emperor Justinian I ordered the construction of an extravagant cathedral in Constantinople, uh, present-day Istanbul, uh, which he then dedicated to Bishop Nicholas of Myra. By the dawn of the ninth century, Nicholas was the principal saint of the Eastern Orthodox Church. In the 842, Saint Methodist, then-bishop of Constantinople composed a biography revolving around the miracles and feats of St. Nicholas, now considered one of, if not the oldest and most extensive of its kind. By finally, the
0: mid- finally. Took, took long uh, enough for somebody to recognize the OG.
1: By the mid-800s, authorities at the Cologne Cathedral in North Rhine, Westphalia, Germany, were practicing what was then a newfound tradition of gift-giving during the Feast of St. Nicholas. On the 6th of every December, the clergy distributed sacks of fruits, cookies, and other gifts to the students enrolled at the cathedral school. They also sang hymns dedicated to the Reverend Saint, for which had been popularized just a decade or two earlier. I wonder uh, what
0: those hymns sounded like.
1: I have no idea. When business, you better Emperor, behave,
0: or Saint Nicholas is going to bring the fury of God down
1: and strike you. Ha! ha, ha. When Byzantine Emperor Alexios Komnenos uh, succeeded Emperor Nikephoros the Third in 1081, barbarians capitalizing on the instability brought about by the transition of power began to launch a series of attacks on Asia Minor, beginning with its coastal cities. Religious mm. authorities at Myra were understandably worried about the attacks, more so when the barbarians began to penetrate Metatropo- uh, uh cities. The relics of the saint at the time still housed in Myra were transferred to the second church of St. Nicholas, within a locality for safekeeping, but the possibility of the brutal but intuitive barbarians discovering the church's most precious treasures were still far too high for their liking. Six years later, miles away in Bari, Italy, a priest supposedly received the vision, which the bishop himself demanded uh, to be removed from Myra. The following week, the priests marshaled three groups of sailors, provided them three separate ships, and instructed them to extract the remains from its hiding place, uh, so they could safely, uh, so it could be safely guarded in Bari. Thus, in the spring of 1087, the sailors voyaged to Bari, where they soon found the second Church of Saint Nicholas, and the church had uh, fallen to ruins and was inhabited by no more than four monks. The monks had received a vision that these uh, these sailors were here to take Nicholas's remains to a better spot. So when the soldiers pulled up to the Bari shores, they were greeted by the enthusiastic uh, cheers of the crowds who had come to receive them. That afternoon, the saints' relics were paraded around in a procession that encompassed the entire city. Yeah, I got a dead body. Let's do a parade. Um, yeah. And it was displayed at the altar during the mass hosted by the Church of St. John. The forerunner and Baptist St. Nicholas's skull and the bones of his hands were later encased a pair of beautiful handcrafted silver boxes while the rest of the sacred remains and Myra. And on the 20th of May, the silver boxes were later transferred to a new church established for St. Nicholas, where they continue to be housed to this day. Really? So so that's St. Nicholas. That is the story that is the legend of St. Nicholas. Is it all true? I know you want to be like, oh, confrontational and stuff. Is it all true? More than likely not. Um, it's all true. Johnny, stop it. You know it's, it's true. not. No.
0: Um, you know what? You know what? Uh, I believe in the power of St. Nicholas.
1: I believe in the power of the <laughs> Lord.
0: And boom, bop. It's all true. I <laughs> just hated
1: it. Johnny, knock it off. No, it is not just hating. A lot of these stories were created years later when his church was becoming popular. It is not too hard I to am. think that this guy, this priest in Italy is like, oh, my church congregation is low. Hey, I just received the vision of God to bring the bones of the most famous bishop of our time to the church. I bet you they'll get people in my doors.
0: I am blindly believing that all the stories are true about St. Nicholas, the all-powerful man. And I absolutely hate you for it. Wow. See what happens when you express your faith out there publicly? Well, well, you get you ostracized. Can't have,
1: what? You can't wow. have any conversations when you're like, oh, yeah, 100% true. An eight-year-old kid made a woman's hands appear out of nowhere. That happened. Oh, yeah. we this just- guy just... Just, uh, just saw, just uh, saw, completely ripped apart children, and he sewed them back together with his love of Jesus, and they walked right out of the basket. You said we can't have a
0: conversation, but
1: I don't know what you call this entire podcast. <laughs> well, no, in terms of what real and what's not, when you're just like, oh yeah, he definitely <laughs> sewed them all together with the love of Jesus. Yes, that happened. Yes. His vision came down from the heavens and he said, Hey Wade, you need to stop. That all happened. No, Johnny, it didn't. All
0: right. Well, I mean, like, uh, quote the dude, like, that's like your opinion, man.
1: <laughs> uh <sighs> <laughs> see, no, I just put over there.
0: It's <laughs> a great conversation. I hit you with a good uh and and always relevant. Uh, movie reference and uh, hey look Santa in order in order for him to be able to deliver presents to every child at night he has to have powers okay he's going in so many houses at night dude he's eating mad cookies he's drinking tons of milk nobody knows that Santa his real superpower is he's actually lactose intolerant and, and he still takes it on the chin. That's his real superpower.
1: Johnny, I think the real reason why you never had kids is so you never had to realize that Santa isn't real.
0: Wow. Wow, you know what? And the poor thing about Santa right now is people are getting these weird cookies. They, de- you know, it used to be good cookies. Sometimes you get an oatmeal raisin, but now you're getting like these no bake cookies or these complete cookies. No bake
1: cookies no are delicious. Cookies. You shut your heathen mouth. You shut all up these terrible right
0: cookies. Now. All these weird oh, recipes. Oh, this has goose liver in it. This is a delectable uh, cookie. And Santa's like, just because I love the children, oh, you gotta choke that
1: crap down with soy milk. Oh, poor guy. Johnny is going on a rent rant about like I not conservative people. Went after the soy milk. What are you attacking? Vegan hippies here? Like all,
0: all I'm saying is give Santa some good old-fashioned cookies. He doesn't need none of your none of your fancy stuff, none of your almond milk. Give me vitamin D,
1: whole milk. You can give him half and half if you like a little truth even some eggnog spice it up i want you uh to bring this energy to your podcast and just believe everything you're told i do have you not heard my conversations on there (laughs) you
0: can't call a spade a spade can you (laughs) <laughs> i'm talking to a guy about the ufo bigfoot connection and i'm like yeah man that makes the only real sense for me for
1: bigfoot to be real yeah that definitely could be a herald like yeah that's exactly what i do there i believe everything over there oh my god this is ridiculous not this entire parts of this story are not true johnny all right all but right well is, then uh, look i'll just is, for
0: christmas for, for christmas you could just for a christmas present you could just let me believe
1: No, Johnny. What kind of friend would I be? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So, wow. What is believable, though, and what is true, is that Nicholas became the patron saint of several things. Um, He became the patron saint of children, orphans, scholars.
0: so So he didn't have powers. But but sainthood's real. All right. So what was he saying of? I'm sorry.
1: I'm not saying it's real. I'm just saying this is what people remembered him as. Okay. I'm not like, oh, this guy was the saint of everybody. This is what he's remembered for. Because again, I might not believe in some of the more uh some of the larger miracles, but I do believe this guy helped everybody he came across and in which he became the saint of children, orphans, scholars, sailors, merchants, grooms, haberdashers, judges, longshoremen, archers, brewers, pawnbrokers, thieves, bankers, laborers, travelers, paupers, marriageable maidens, students, captives, and victims of judicial mistakes, and a partridge and a pear tree.
0: Yeah, man, shout out to the haberdashers out there
1: what's a habit that's a hat right that's a hat guy
0: a a haberdashery is like just a clothes store just going to get clothes
1: oh Oh, okay and we want (laughs) to shit on me for saying textiles last week (laughs) wow (laughs) wow Hey, I don't, hey. Even, I don't even know where this comes from. <laughs> hey, I'm I'm proud of that. That is the only second time I've sworn in this part. And we're looking at about an hour and 40 minute episode. So I'm proud of myself. I'm maturing beyond uh, where I was yesterday. And uh, thank you for coming on this journey, Johnny. Yeah, it was my pleasure. <laughs> I really enjoyed myself. I hope everybody learned a lot. And I do challenge you, uh, Johnny, you can believe if you want, but I do challenge you guys just Google, look up some of the stories. There's some good YouTube videos out there. Like just see for yourself, believe what you want. Okay.
0: All right, folks. Well, that was the part, I guess, of the episode. I thought it was a blast. Dan, what are we talking
1: about in part two? Part two, we will be talking about the commercialization of Santa Claus and Santa Claus as we know him now. And kind of where um, modern-day Santa Claus borrows from, you know, Odin and St. Nicholas and the Dutch version of Santa Claus as well.
0: Okay, sounds good. I'm really looking forward to it. I hope everyone else is uh, as excited as I am for it. And, again, happy holidays no matter what you celebrate or if you don't, uh, from what in the history to you, we want to say enjoy the season.
1: Yeah, have a good Holidays. Um, this will be out Tuesday, but uh, just have a good week. Enjoy the love of your family that you can Zoom, uh, call them. I know it's going to be tough this year, but love can be spread through a telephone. As somebody who's been overseas uh, during holidays, Easter, Christmas, I didn't come home for like six years for Christmas. Family love can be spread through Skype and can be spread through cell phone. Just try and be a good person this holiday. Love your family. Love everybody around you. And just keep the idea of Nicholas alive. Help those less fortunate uh, than you. And just spread Christmas cheer. Spread this idea of just uh, everlasting love to your fellow neighbor.
0: Sounds good. Peace and love, everybody. Peace. It was a moon
2: 18 years old my life was going nowhere it was midnight at the railroad tracks miles away from anywhere i said my turn you did suit and black hair Smile on his face Ribbons on his chest Slave until my grave. Now it's raining in the desert. Does it always got to rain on me, I'm just another of the devil's dogs. Would they ever? Exiled, heard the cadence of an evil choir. Sand shifted. I fell into the pit and marched with the other day.